welcome to the Life Hit Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Orm, and today we're going to talk about a good lot of Star Wars stuff. But first, let's talk about the business. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Bloody Orm, B-L-O-O-D-Y-O-R-M-E. You can find us on Tumblr at mystarswifedebt.tumblr.com. If you would like to contribute to the upkeep of the blog and the podcast, then you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash mystarswifedebt. There's a couple of tiers for you to choose from and some excellent perks at each level. And if you would like to get your words read on the show or hear yourself on the show, please send me emails and voicemails to... Uh, podcast at outlook.com and that's it for the business so let's get on with the show alright so uh, we've had the latest episode of Resistance I mean that one came out kind of on the quiet it felt you know after Rise of Skywalker um, this one was called The Missing Agent Um the the, um, the place, the Colossus, receives a transmission for help from a re- on a resistance uh, frequency, and Kaz and Yiga take Sonara to go and help find them. Um, when they get to this planet to you know follow the uh, follow the like trace the signal. Um, they meet a, a gran called Lychee who basically tries to get them to buy stuff from his shop but it turns out he's actually feeding info to the First Order. Uh, they go to uh, the agent's um, residence and uh, it's basically the door's broken, uh, it's abandoned um, uh, but they find his data, the data pad uh, that the agent sent a transmission from, sent the transmission from, and in it is a data stick which has a list of first order sympathizers on that planet, as well as possible others. Um, they get attacked by uh, by a bounty hunter who was the same race as Seistin uh, from the Jedi Council in the prequels. Um, I, I can't remember how to pronounce the species, so I'm just not going to bother. Um, so uh, they fight this bounty hunter. Kaz and Yiga, um, get away with CV while Sonara distracts the uh, this guy, um, uh, but she gets injured, um, and, but manages to kick the guy off of a ledge, but he disappears. Um, They manage to locate the ship, um, man- they manage to find, they manage to get the identity of the, um, of the, of the agent, uh, called Norath, um, and they go to Li Chi because he's on the list of Imperials, um, CB23 stores the list in her data bank. Uh, but they delete, they destroy the data pad, um, and um, Yiga blackmails Leechy into telling them where the bounty hunter ship is. Um, they make it to the ship. Sonara stays behind. 
looking for the bounty hunter, but she takes the speeder bike. She takes the speeder bike to uh, find them later on. Um, at the ship, uh, Yiga, Kaz, and CB23 go on the ship, and they manage to break Norath out. But it turns out it's a trap set by the uh, set by the bounty hunter, whose name I believe is Axe, and he wields an axe. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, he takes off with um, the four uh, members of the resistance on board, uh, but they get CB23 to overload the systems, which causes one of the engines to explode and a crash lands the ship, but it damages CB23 and Norath injures his leg. At the same time, Sonara has returned, has arrived at the ship, and is trying, you know, chases it down until it lands. Um, our heroes get off the ship with Nora. Nora can hardly walk, and CB23 is just l essentially limping along as much as a ball droid can limp. Uh, but Axe is still alive, and a firefight ensues um, between Yiga and the bounty hunter. Kaz tries to disarm the bounty hunter and manages to do so, but gets his backside handed to him in the process. Um, Yiga and Sonara end up in a fist fight with the bounty hunter whilst Kaz and Norath escape, um, and they also end up having to leave TB23 behind as well. Um, but they need to get a message out to the Colossus. They finally get a message to the Colossus. Uh, well, as they're escaping the fight, um, Axe uses his axe, oddly enough, uh, creates some sort of power surge, hits the ground, and it causes an explosion. And we don't know what happens to Yiga, Sonara, or CB23. Um, so when Kaz radios the Colossus, the, um, he said, right, the first order on their way, we need an evac, and, he, and um, Captain Dozer just like, yeah, a bit late for that, seeing as the first order have just arrived, and a bunch of first order uh, ships are heading towards the planet. Um, this was a good episode. Um, you know, it's, it's tying into stuff with the Resistance a bit more now. Uh, it feels like the series is heading in a, in a specific direction. Um, quite possibly we're seeing kind of like knowing this would be the one that comes out around the Rise of Skywalker um, maybe the series has got a direction where it can finally head in um, you know it was a decent episode um, I, I don't know why they introduced a new planet I think this would have been a really cool way of, in, of kind of taking us to somewhere like Batu. Um, I mean at first when we first in the op opening sequence with Norath being chased by the bounty hunter I thought initially thought it could be but uh, it, it was given a Vrogas it was Vrogas something not Vrogas Vas or it could have been I don't know um, I kind of missed it I, all, all I remember it began with V and it seemed it sounded like Vrogas um, but you know, it would it? I think it could be cool to have um, Batu show up uh, in the show or in any show, really, or any film. 
Um, so I think that was a bit of a missed opportunity. But aside from that, I really enjoyed. Um, I mean, that was even, that's not even a gripe. That's just a yeah. They could have done that. But you know, it was a very fun, action-filled episode, uh, tying into the resistance, tying into the First Order, um, and I think it's like kind of an interesting way for him to go, and um, quite enjoying. I enjoyed it, and it's a multiple-parter. Um, so I believe the next one is like the break. It's called the Breakout or something, or the Mutiny. No, hang on. I'll figure it out. So the next one is called Breakout. So, and it, the uh, the write-up is uh, Kaz and Roth try to help their friends while being pursued by a deadly bounty hunter. So it sounds like Axe is still there. Although we did see the Crimson Corsair in um, in the uh, trailer for season two. So I'm wondering if um, he will be the bounty hunter in question. Um, but I'm assuming, you know, because they're being hunted by the First Order as well, it'll all be, um, everyone will be chasing them. Seeing as they know that they've got Kaz and Yiga and uh, CB23. And then the mutiny sounds like it's going to be a bit more of a First Order-centric one. Just, I mean, I, that's not got a write-up yet, but, it, you know, just by the sound of it, could this be the episode where Tam do that you know do they get captured by the first order do they get taken to the first order does Tam you know is this going to involve Tam in any way I would assume so but uh, I I don't want to make too many assumptions because I have been wrong many a time before um so yeah there we go that's uh it's kind of like my, my thoughts on the latest episode of uh, Resistance. It was fun. It was enjoyable. It's you know I I kind of feel like they had been waiting to until Rise of Skywalker for them to kind of head in a certain direction. I wish that hadn't been the case, uh, honestly. But um, you know I mean I don't know what the interdepartmental politics of. Lucasfilm would be uh, around the rise of Skywalker and kind of like is it a need to you know, need to know basis of stuff um, I imagine even though Dave Filoni is pretty high up in the company he doesn't get to know absolutely everything oh no it wasn't even Dave Filoni was it it was Justin Rich uh, so yeah oh got that wrong um <laughs> But yeah, I suppose, you know, they want to keep as much of it under wraps. They don't want to give too much away, especially in a cartoon. Um, that's just the way I see it working for JJ with J.J. Abrams. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fun episode and I'm looking forward to next week's. Um, kind of see where, uh, where the story goes. So um, yeah, we'll see, that it, we'll see that in a few days. Uh, like I said, looking forward to it going to be cool um so i'm going to put a pin in it and we're going to talk rise of skywalker um and so just i would like a what to warn you now after the um after the transition there will be spoilers so if you are not wanting spoilers for the rise of skywalker uh please turn off now uh thank you for listening um
and uh, have a great Christmas and New Year. Cool. And if you're sticking with me, I'll be with you right in a second. Hello, and uh, so now I've had some time to decompress after Rise of Skywalker, um, kind of sit with it in my head a little bit, and, um, you know, sleep. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw out some thoughts on it. Um, there will be some spoilers. I'm not going to, like, go too spoiler-heavy this time. I just want to kind of give some thoughts that I've heard about it. Um, so, on my second viewing, I kind of realised that, you know, I mean, I said it, I think I said it before, that the, uh, that the first act was kind of clunky, and yes, it, it's crowded, there's a lot of stuff going on, um, you know, I was sat there on my second viewing, really just trying to figure out, you know, what if they really could have gotten rid of it, and again, I don't think they could have done. Um, everything was needed, especially especially when they're, like, they're kind of doing like the the, ch- the chase for the MacGuffins, because they really needed all of that. I mean, could J.J. Abrams have made the plot a little less convoluted? Maybe, but then, but then again, like it was fun. You know, we got, you know. We got the Persana chase that, you know, I found the entire Persana sequence incredibly enjoyable. Um, and that's where they find the knife. They, you know, they find Ochi's ship, you know. And then they go to, oh, I'm going to assume that that moon is called Kefir, because uh, it wasn't the forest moon of Endor. Um, but, um, you know, to go to Kefir... Then you're introducing, like, this... You're, you're giving, you know, Finn some backstory, you know. You're giving Ray some backstory with all of the events that happen on, um... Fasana. You know, it, it all just works really, really well. Um... I found... The break... the. I mean, the star performance, like, the Oscar goes to Adam Driver uh, for this film. Like, playing Kylo Ren, it's Kylo Ren, you know. We know what Kylo Ren's like. We know he's haunted. We know... um, We know, like, kind of his, you know, the state that he's in, you know. Um... But then that se- the scene after Ray heals him, um, you know his his big scene with his father. Like you can you you watch that and you see him physically change. He becomes Ben Solo. And it's so fantastically does it so well, like just the incredible nuances in his face. Um the way he plays it, just 
works so brilliantly. Like there is a complete physical change in from Adam Driver in Adam Driver. Um, I mean, is it noticeable that early on? I think so, um, to a degree. But then when you see him come back um, on Exegol, like when he's when he lands on Exegol, like everything about him, his physicality, his just, I mean, the whole demeanour, yes, of course, because it's a di- it's like a, almost a different character. But, you know, like, everything that Adam Driver was doing with his face when it came to being Kylo was gone. And, you know, his, he, in, in a way, his features softened and it was, it, you know, it was almost, it's like a, this incredible transformation and I was like... I kind of sat there just going, wow, like, you didn't, like, I didn't need, like, it's, you know, sometimes, like, when, like, the whole Han Solo scene is to tell us that he's going from Kylo Ren to Ben, you know, that was the, that's the whole reason for that scene, and it was so well done, um, I mean, the fact that it's... I mean, yeah, it's essentially Han's death scene. But... Like... It's Star Wars, it rhymes. <laughs> you know? And... it was ju- That was just fantastic. So well done, so well played. Um, and to have, like... You know just seeing the this incredible performance of Adam Driver like I I didn't I didn't stick around in the credits to kind of see how they listed him in the credits because I think it should you know I may I may if I go see it again which I, I fully intend to do but you know intention is one thing um yes I fully intend to go watch Rise of Skywalker again I want to stick around in the credits to just see how he's listed. Is he listed as Kylo Ren? Or is he listed as Ben Solo? Or both? Is it like Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo? And I think, uh, I, I, you know, despite like everything I'm seeing online from people, no one is talking about, you know, a lot. There's a lot of Raylo discourse, which I'll get into shortly. But like, no one's talking about Adam's performance, and I think that... I just... I, I'm not happy that no one's talking about Adam's performance, because he did so well. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone else did a bad job. I think everyone else did a fantastic job. Um, but for me, he was the standout. Um, really, because, you know, he, he does transform. He literally transforms before your eyes. Um, so yeah, and as I said in the last episode as well, um, you know, every character got a chance to shine. I mean, of course, Ray, I mean, Ray, uh, Daisy Ridley, we've seen stuff from Daisy, like, like, Daisy Ridley in this film did, like, brought so much more nuance to Ray, like, she's, like, we've never seen Ray truly angry and and 
scared and fearful. But this felt like she goes through the whole range, a whole range of stuff, you know. From like when she, you know, the the character Ray goes through so much more than we've ever seen her go through in this film, um, and you know she's she, Daisy really just plays it so perfectly, um, and I really I, I think you know. I mean, this is this is her best performance in this trilogy, um, by far, and you know, and I think that's because JJ gave her such great material. I'm not saying that he didn't give her great material in Force Awakens or the last or Ryan Johnson in the Last Jedi, but the way the character is developed, um, like she's really like like her character development has gone on. Has done. She's the character has developed so much between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. We see that in her training, in that training bit um, early on. And I mean, there's people like there are people who've done reviews. Like I'm guessing they're like uh, I've not read them. I was told about them by my friend Andrew. Um, That they're like, um, yes, a lot seems to have happened between uh, eight and nine. And it's like, have you never seen a Star War? I mean, think about it. Like, there's a ten-year gap between Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones. I mean, that's ten years. A lot goes on in that time. Anakin becomes a whole new actor. <laughs> and um, you know, like, what happens in the Clone War? You know, there's. George Lucas made an animated series to tell us what happens between episodes two and three. I mean, come on. Seriously. <laughs> yes, things happen between the films. Um, and yeah, this happens again. So, like, we the whole journey to the Rise of Skywalker, like, I can't, I, I can't speak for Horse Collector, but Resistance Reborn... Um, Spark of Resistance and Allegiance really get to show us kind of like what Ray goes, th- kind of what you know, kind of where Ray's at in, the, in the, between these two films. Um, so yeah, um, John Boyega just nails it as Finn um, again. Finn, I'm, I'm so pleased we get a lot more from Finn in this film. Um, He's really coming to his own as a resistance fighter. Um, and his relationship with Poe, like... I know I know, there's going to be a lot of hate. There's going to be a lot of criticism for queer baiting. Um, but for me, like, I've always been like a... Well, I guess the official term is Finn Poe. Because now that's what Oscar Isaac says. And, you know, he's part of the part of that shit uh, <laughs> I mean, Oscar Isaac has always played Poe as being attracted to Finn uh, we've seen that in everything even this film but the fact that John Boyega is playing you know you get that like they are an old married couple in this film there are moments where you're just like look 
they they don't need to you know nothing has to happen between them but you get such a feeling of their relationship like it like I know I know people want it you know people feel like it needs to be said feel like it needs to be kind of displayed a bit more but I kind of look at it in the subtext and for me like for me those two like whatever their relationship is within the film it feels like there's a lot more than just very very good friends going on Um, on the way that both of the actors portray them you know and I think that speaks more the way the actors are portraying the characters that speaks to me more than kind of someone going yeah Finn Post happening so I kind of you know that that's where I'm at with that um I what else Oscar Isaac oh my lord like that man has got comedy chops and he gets all the best lines he gets all the comedy lines yeah well not all of them 3PO just 3PO is hitting the mark with the comedy as well but Oscar Isaac he he takes the funny lines and he plays and I mean definitely within his in, in, in his interactions with Finn like at one point Finn uh, yells uh, yeah Finn yells um, that he needs to tell Ray something before they die they don't die she asks him what it was he says, uh, I'll tell you later, and then Poe's like, what, when Poe's not around? Yeah, yeah, great, we're all in this death-defying, we're, we're all about to die, and now we're all keeping secrets. Great. And uh, later on, when Finn, Poe, and Chewie are, like, basically at gunpoint, he's like, what are you going to tell Ray? And he's like, you're still on this? And he's like, well, yeah. I mean, and he's like, this really matters right now. And he's like, well, yeah, it does, because we're about to die, and, you know, I don't like the whole keeping secrets thing. And it just plays out so well. It's so funny. Um... And, you know, there's a reason Oscar... Uh, not Oscar Isaac. Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, there's a reason why Poe is, like, my favourite character in this trilogy. Because he just absolutely nails it. Uh, I'm going to put a pin in it in a second. For just a second. So, um, bear with me. And uh, we'll be back in just a second with a little bit more. Um, okay, so jumping back in, um, more of the cast. I really enjoyed Richard E. Grant's performance in, uh, in Rise of Skywalker as well. Allegiant General Pride, he's got, he's got like the sinister, he kind of nailed the sinister, um, and brought it in a much creepier vibe way than, um, Domino Gleeson's Hux is basically a fanatic and um, just generally evil. Pride is just more military and having those two kind of playing off against each other was pretty good. Um, You get the sense, because Hux is reporting to him now, um, that Kylo basically must have promoted someone above him just to hurt him, um, which I think would 
be the key reason why Hux has become the spy for, um, well, basically just dropped a bunch of information to the resistance. Um, and just the way that, um, what's it, that Pride kills Hux was just, you know, like, okay, right, yeah, bang, dead, found the spy, don't need to worry, he's gone. Um, who else was there um, career defining moment definitely Anthony Daniels um, like he really like much like he is on stage he just takes he like he, you, when he's talking you can't help but look at him and you can't help but kind of direct your attention to him and that's not a bad thing because uh, in this this film really nails it with 3PO he's severely underused in the original in the the sequel trilogy but you know the fact that he goes off on the adventure the fact that he's with the crew all the way through just about you know it's it works you know he goes off on the adventure he's like the tool that they need to help them and then he can't help them and you know have him and him and Poe like Ruko and Poe's relationship is just again hilarious you know like some of Poe's lines when it comes to Ruko are just fantastic he turns like turns around you like so through Belgillian languages that you can speak and you can't say talk, say this You're like the one time we need you to talk you can't and he's like um, and then when after Babu Frick's done Babu Frick's um, stuff to 3PO he's like hello I'm C3PO human cyborg relations may I introduce myself and he's like this is going to be a problem you know it just it it was funny, and 3PO does, you know, Anthony Daniels does a really good job as 3PO. Does this mean I'm going to, like, rush out and buy Anthony Daniels' book? No. Still don't like the person, but, you know, 3PO is great at 3PO, so it's fine. Um, and I'm sorry, if... If there was ever a... an award... For best actor in costume, can we please just every nomination would have to go to Eunice Suatamo for Chewbacca in this film? Like Chewie does everything in this. Like when we first see him, he's in the Falcon. He's help. He's flying with Poe, and Poe is crashing the Falcon. Chewie's just like hilarious all the way through that. You know when they get back to the resistance base everything everything Chewie does is so spot on um, I mean if you think about it I mean, some of the criticisms you could give The Last Jedi uh, Chewie was underused 3 pills was underused and in this film they, they get their fair share of time and it's great Chewie ends up being a massive plot point the sole fact that he gets captured and he's the one helped with the dagger and they manage you know they think he's dead 
you know, and in that moment, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I didn't think so because I had already done the spoilers. But the fact that everyone thought Chewie was dead, and they're like, no, we're going to do this for Chewie. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do what we've got to do. Um, and when he finds out that Leia has passed away then when he sinks to the floor and just is how it's just that was I mean that was also a career defining performance I would say because you know he's a He's such a... He's got to be a physical actor to do chewing. You know, he doesn't have lines. He's... It's just bellows and grunts. And, you know, that's all dubbed over. Yeah, he can portray it and do what he can. You know, he can... He can... Say lines and stuff. But... That moment by Poe's X-Wing where he is just devastated on his knees devastated crying that moment for me I mean like you kind of like I'm I'm sorry but Leia's death in this film was not a surprise it was a matter of time you know I don't I couldn't see them coming out of it with her still there um The way that, like, when like, when they find out, like, Poe is, like, just shocked. And Finn, the first thing Finn does is he goes to Chewie and he's like, Chewie, I'm so sorry. And Chewie just, you know, doesn't, he just cries, throws his arms up, sinks to the floor. And everyone, they, they try and get close to him and he just isn't ready for that comfort. And it's so well portrayed that he deserves it. Well, he deserves... Yunus Suotaro deserves a medal for his that, for that performance. I mean, his performance is true. He's always fantastic. But, you know, this time around was definitely... And I don't... I didn't think he could top his performance of Chewie in uh, Solo. But, you know, I think this one is a contender. Um... trying to think any any other great oh oh, oh you know and how can we forget the old man the main man himself Ian McDermott as the emperor oh my lord um from the moment you first hear like he is such a presence in this film, it's felt, you know. They do a really good job of making you feel the Emperor as well as, you know, when he's not there. You know, finding out that he's, you know, I mean, when they when they come to the revelation that he's actually back, um, I think, you know, yeah, everyone's shocked. I mean, wouldn't you be? But at the same time, like, like you're, you can feel, it. you can feel it in the air, and when he's, um, 
in that first scene where he's like hooked up to the machine and he's like you know I died I've died before and uh, you know it's like uh, and just I mean the makeup in before he before he uses the force on Ray and Dan like when it's shriveled and withered palps it's just grim like and I like they did I mean like J.J. Abrams needs to get inducted J.J. Abrams needs to go and direct a proper horror movie because he's got some incredible horror sensibilities that there were moments in this film I didn't think I was watching Star Wars I thought I was watching a horror film set in the Star Wars universe um just because of those scenes with Palpatine until he until he was rejuvenated he is terrifying okay I have actually said a friend of mine um, messaged me and said right you'll know this no spoilers should I take could I take the kids to it and I said no because I wouldn't take my kid to I mean okay my, my kid is two and a half I think his 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 oldest is probably six, maybe seven, and I still think that's too young. I think you know you need to be a great nine to appreciate it um, and not get too bogged down in the terror that is Palpatine. Um, once he does his um, life force sucky thing, and he goes back into like the kind of like the, the Revenge of the Sith looking kind of villain I think that moment you know from there he's okay uh, but it's still quite atmospheric um, but McDermott playing playing Palpatine in two again in a way in two different types I mean he, he's playing this husk of a person for you know, the majority of his uh, time. I mean, yeah, they've CGI'd some stuff on him, like the hands, like his hands, are, he's, his body is falling apart for goodness sake. Like, you know, his fingers is falling off. <laughs> um, and then when he take when he sucks the life force out of Ray and Ben, it's like, oh, and like his hands grow and like reform. It's like, okay. Okay, that's what you can do now. Um, but he can he plays like he you know him playing the withered husk is like very emperor in Return of the Jedi, and then he switches it out into like the full on Revenge of the Sith, almost chewing the scenery but not quite taking the bite feel of of Revenge of the Sith once he's kind of. You know, feeling better, they say. Um, I mean, I think part of me kind of looks at it and it felt like um, almost like a Clive Barker's, almost like Clive Barker's Hellraiser in the terms of the lighting, which. I mean, I like Hellraiser, um, 
and the fact that it feels I mean I'm probably I'm probably like barking the wrong tree but it does kind of feel like JJ took some lighting cues from the Hellraiser films especially like when they go into like the Cenobite homeworld and one of the later ones I, th- I feel like that is more of what we were getting from this than kind of like real world like the, like the human world aspects from the Hellraiser films um, and J.J. Abrams does a good droid voice um, I think I knew I knew that J.J. was voicing Dio before I saw the film and I kind of feel like knowing that made me realise that um, made me realise that uh, you know it was him um, when it spoke when Dio spoke but um, it was just good fun you know following on a tradition that it seems that Filoni has started you know Filoni creates Rebels, Floney voices the droid. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for like Rick Famuyiwa or um, Deborah Chow to voice a droid in the Mando. <laughs> but of course, we've got Taika Waititi voicing IG 11. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that can, that's it for the. Um, for the actors and the cast and the crew and everything um, can't really say much more so I'm going to put a pin in it on this one uh, I am going to be talking more spoilers about Rise of Velcro in just a second um, so yes bear with me and I will be right back so we're going to do part three of my actors and characters spoilers um, for Rise of Skywalker. Um, kind of going for like the one characters who weren't in as much. But first, let's talk. Uh, before I do jump into that, I want to talk about Luke, Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker. Um, I kind of feel like we got the Luke Skywalker in this that everyone kind of expected to get in The Last Jedi, kind of like the more knowledgeable, the more wise master, the, and kind of more, you know, kind of following more in Yoda's footsteps of being a bit more quirky, um, but really, all Luke did is learn from his mistakes, this is Luke Skywalker who we got in The Last Jedi, who learned from his mistakes, and this is Luke Skywalker we got at the end of the film, rather than the beginning, um, there did feel like something a little off about him, though, and I think that's just because it was... I mean, he was wearing his um, Jedi robes, but suddenly, like, the robes seemed really long in comparison to what he wore in Last Jedi and um, Force Awakens. And his hair was longer. It's like... So, obviously, he was wearing a hairpiece this this time around. Um, But... 
couldn't they have like gone continuity wise and figured that out a little bit more or I don't know it just felt a bit off um but visually I you know get rid of get rid of my meh about the hair you know it was a really good scene um between him and Ray and the fact that he that they kind of paid paid homage to um Empire Strikes Back with Luke lifting the X-Wing out of the water I thought it was pretty fun um I do gotta wonder do gotta wonder that's good English wasn't it I do have to wonder um you know like the whole X-Wing wing being a door for his hut and it's now on the X-Wing you know, was it a panel that maybe they didn't need that we don't know about? I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's like, that was just one of those little, like, series continuity things that made me go, oh, okay. Maybe, you know, people have been like, well, if you could have just lifted the X-Wing, you would have, could have left um, Arc 2. But at the same time, I don't think he could have left there. You know, because if he had have left and done what he did in, you know, walked out to the First Order in The Last Jedi, them blasting him would have killed him. So, really, it was a good job that he didn't, <laughs> um, you know, that he didn't leave the planet. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed seeing him in this, you know, him catching the lightsaber, kind of saying his bit about this uh, Jedi's weapon should be uh, treated with more respect or something was actually very funny because you know this is this is Luke having learned his mistakes not mistake making Luke and you know at least there's a bit of humour to it as well brings and it brings a little touch of Mark Hamill to the character that um, was quite fun um, so then we've got Billy D. Williams, who just is Lando. Um, I think Lando being on Pasana and, you know, being right there at the right time was a little deus ex machina. But at the same time, it was fun, you know. And the fact, you know, Leia got in touch with me. Okay, cool, Leia got in touch with you. Maybe, you know... You know what? You know, but where were you at crate? You know, <laughs> were you not able to get? I mean, there's so many things that we don't know about. You know, in terms of that, you know, I think there's so much that we, so much more backstory to this film that we need to find out. That um, hopefully we will in the future. Um, but, yeah, it just felt like there was a few bits missing with Lando. And, I mean, there's a whole subplot about him having a daughter who was kidnapped by the First Order. And there's, like, the, you know, him talking to Janna where, you know, it wasn't directly referenced that they are, that she's his daughter. But, you know, I think it just, it that scene felt a little off, him talking to Janna, But at the same time... It maybe works if there was more context to them, to like a, 
history of him having a daughter, if you know what I mean. Um, maybe if she becomes his surrogate daughter, maybe she is his daughter and she was the one that was kidnapped. We don't know, we'll find out hopefully in some sort of comic book or something medium. Um, but Billy D. Williams is Lando, you know, he, he can never not play Lando. Um, and he plays Lando so well. So yeah. Um, Rose. Now, I was disappointed. I'm sorry, I was. I wanted more of Rose. Um, you know, you know her whole. I've got. To, I've been asked to look at ship specs for star destroyers. Oh, it doesn't sit quite well with me. But at the same time, you know, they needed someone on the planet, you know, at the Resistance base, who we knew a bit more than we knew Snap Wexley, and with her working closely with Leia, I guess that worked. I think there must have been more shot with Ro, with um, Kevin Marie Tran, um, to, for the character that's just been cut out, which I think is disappointing, but... I really, you know, I, I liked what we got with Rose, but I wanted to see more. Uh, I like the evolution of her character. We've seen the evolution of her character going on between Last Jedi, you know, in the in the Journey to the Force, uh, Journey to the Rise of Skywalker, and they've really kept in line with that. The same I think they did with Rey, you know, knowing where Rey is at this in this film, knowing where Rose is in this film, and kind of developing their characters through that. Um, but honestly, I wish we had more Rose. Um, and I think, um, hopefully, I'm not, I'm not saying there's going to be a director's cut or anything, but hopefully we get some deleted scenes with her doing that. Um, Lieutenant Connick's, you know, I really wanted to her to have a bigger role in this film. I think um, it would have worked with her having a bigger role. Um... I just, I feel like, you know, Billy Lord was severely underused in this. Um, I know that there's, like, so much more that they needed, you know, there was other stuff in the plot to do. But I really wanted a bit more from them on the Resistance base. Um, Greg Grunberg, Snap Wexley. I was gutted to see him go, but, um, come on. Um... But, um, you know, it's one of those things sometimes, you know, I mean, they killed his character off. It's sad. It's upsetting. Um, so, would have been nice to kind of get a bit more from him. Um, and, like, the couple of bits that we saw of him in the film before the X-Wing battle, I really didn't... He came across as a bit bleh when he says that, you know, we've not heard from the Millennium for that sequence. Like, I was completely on board with what Rose says, you know, be a bit more optimistic here. Um, so, um, yeah, it was like, hmm. But at the same time, I get, you know, the stakes that were there. But where was that, where was the scene where was the Claude scene with Snap Wesley? I wanted to see that. I wanted Claude and Snap to be chatty and hang out. 
but uh, obviously we didn't get that. Um, what else? Who else? Oh, Beaumont, aka Charlie from Lost. What's his name? Dominic Monaghan. Well, I think we could have not had him at all, and it would have been fine. Um, he's basically he was basically there for bad exposition, um, which I'm kind of glad they yeah okay create a character to do that because then we're not think finding like any of the other characters that we love or like or enjoy annoying um, like with like I found him um, you know he stood there like kind of all mystified and like the Sith the cloning the Sith techniques the Sith secrets ah and it's like what was the point in that what was the point in those lines and then him him having his like oh maybe we should do a bunch of holdo maneuvers mm. it just there was so much to his character that well, it wasn't even a character. He was just there. And I'm like, I was... It was a disappointment. If they were... Because I, I got the... I, I had a feeling that they were trying to kind of have, like, this trio of Connick's, um, Beaumont, and Rose. And I think that would have been a pretty cool kind of, like, side trio, you know, doing, doing resistance stuff. Having, like, kind of showing them a bit more. Um, doing stuff at the Resistance base, doing stuff in the battle on the Star Destroyer, that would have been pretty cool. Um, but no, we didn't get that, did we? We got um, Captain Exposition, <laughs> and it was that was kind of disappointing. But at the same time, you know, I don't think there was any more room. There was no room for more characters, new characters, and stuff like that. So, I guess I can't really complain too much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it for my uh, kind of character rundown for the film. I, you know, I think I've ne- hit every everyone there. Um, oh, did I do hooks? I think I did, yes. I think I've done Hux. Uh, let me know if I haven't done Hux and I'll do him in another episode. Um, but yeah, those. there we go. That's my uh, Rise of Skywalker character kind of deep dive and cast deep dive. Um, I'm going to put a pin in it now. I think um, this will be my... This will be the last episode before Christmas. Um... So, uh, I would like to wish everyone, all all you wonderful listeners, uh, a very happy Christmas. Um, I'm sure I'll be doing a, another episode before New Year, but if I don't, happy Christmas again, and have a happy New Year. Um, and, uh, yeah, and may the Force be with you, always. And before we go, remember you can follow the blog and podcast at mystarwarslifedebt.wordpress.com. You can follow the follow our shenanigans at uh, 
facebook.com forward slash life debt blog pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at bloodyon, B-L-O-O-D-Y-O-R-N-E. You can also find us on Tumblr, mystylewaslifedead.tumblr.com. And if you would like to contribute to the upkeep of the blog and podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash mystylewaslifedead. Uh, there are two tiers for you to choose from, and all contributions are greatly appreciated. And if you would like to hear yourself or your words read out on the podcast, then please uh, email me at lifedebtpodcast.outlook.com. And if you could take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show, that would also be greatly appreciated because all ratings and reviews greatly help uh, get the word out there about the podcast and the blog. Um, So yeah, that's it for this week. And punch it chewy. And one last thing before we go, I would like to thank our Patreon members at the Journey to Life Debt Celebration tier. So thank you very much to uh, Patreon Becky and Anthony for their contributions to this tier. And uh, may the force be with you both.